Welcome back to One Winning Pod. We're so excited to have a pretty cool guest today. Ryan Mink, executive director of, or editorial director, not executive director. Well, that sounded like a promotion. That sounded great. <laughs> He's like, that sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, from the Ravens is joining us today. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we uh, we all enjoy the lounge, and uh, I was listening to it, and I was like, you know, we were actually talking about doing just this kind of show, and it seemed like you were pretty uh, eager to talk about kind of the breakout players, the role players for 2022 to keep an eye on during OTAs. Um, mm-hmm. kind of focusing away from the rookies just because while they are going to be role players and they could have a breakout even the rookie year um, right. that's more of a projection and it's also just that a lot been, has been sp- said already about the uh, rookies but I think there's a lot of forgotten first uh, or second year third year players that um, people need to keep an eye on I think they could yeah, definitely sure. be big contributors yeah, absolutely. There's a lot. And that's honestly where a lot of the improvement on your team will come from, you know, is like those second year guys, third year players, you know, the veterans are what they are and the rookies. Sure. You can have a rookie that really stands out or whatnot, but like the maturation of those young players on the rookie contracts. I mean, how many times have we seen over the Ravens history that those are really the difference makers. And that's where your team gets a lot better as if like those guys pan out in their development. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Great point there. The Ravens have had plenty in their history. Um, we have some listed here in the show notes, and honestly, we could probably double that list. <laughs> the Ravens have done a really good job of finding mid to late round talent and being patient with guys, or in some cases, you know, grabbing someone from someone else's practice squad and turning them into a 10 year stud like, you know, a Kelly Gregg or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think this is such a great time of year to look at this topic because. We just had the draft, and we're all excited about the new Ravens in town. Um, but some of these guys, it's going to take three, four seasons for us to see positive results from them, you know, getting back some positive value there, mm-hmm. especially the late-round guys. Uh, some of these guys are going to be projects. And, you know, it, it kind of in our society, a lot of things are instantaneous, and there's good and bad to that. <laughs> yeah, And, you know, some fans might, be quick to give up on a guy who the Ravens drafted in 2020 or, or 2021 and hasn't become a, a week in week out of starter starter yet. And right. I think there's some of those guys that that's, you know, still have a shot at that. And I think we're going to look at them tonight and um, yeah. a lot of interesting names here to look at. Yeah. It's funny. Just something you just said kind of made me think of that, of this is like, you know, you get these new shiny toys, right? whether it be a free agent edition or a rookie. And of course you're excited, right? It's a new toy. It's like, yeah, I really want to play with this. And you kind of forget about like the toy that you got last Christmas, you know, which is still a perfectly great toy, right? That's a great present, but like, you're just like, ah, that sucks, you know, on to the new, you know, and that's like what society is. And that's what players, you know, happens in football is like, you know, third round picks that we were all super excited about last year. And we're like, what can Brandon Stevens and Ben Cle- Oh my God, Ben Cleveland eats a hundred squirrels, you know? <laughs> and like, you're like so excited. And then once the new shiny thing comes into the picture, you're like, ah, who's Ben Cleveland? Like what, what did he eat again? Beaver? What was it? You know what I mean? And like, so it's just, it's just kind of funny, but you're absolutely right that like those players are the ones that oftentimes, you know, we get for, forget, get forgotten and uh, are critical. 
For sure. I'm also thinking about, you know, I, I know he's not on the team anymore, but a guy like Hollywood Brown, I think, you know, at least on this pod and I'm sure, you know, around the community as well, I think a lot of us were uh, going to be excited for him this year. Um, we thought, mm-hmm. you know, that he had uh, some great development. I mean, he wasn't the, you know, he wasn't the, you know, wide receiver one, the Anquan Bolden that everybody wants, but he's still a really good player. And yeah. just, you know, it's, it's funny how like quickly that turned really quick of, of just like, you know, he's like, ah, oh, he's not that good. But then as soon as he leaves now, it's like, wow, the wide receiver room, we don't have anybody. Like, <laughs> even though there are all these guys waiting in the wings that, you know, are, you know, are going to get the playing time now to be able to step into those roles. So it, it kind of works that way too. It's just, you know, it's just how people get excited about new things or they worry if, if, if like a piece leaves and it's, uh, it's very fickle. <laughs> For sure. For sure. My favorite example from the list that we have on here is the last one, Tyus Bowser. Remember how many people were quick to write him off when they were trying him out inside linebacker and he just didn't really do much year one and year two. And then he like really started to show promise year three and maybe year four, you'd call it the breakout. Now he's one of the highest regarded Sam linebackers in the league. Right. I, I just love that story with Tyus. Um, I thought I I remember that, you know, he was a second round pick. It's pretty high, you know, obviously draft capital to spend on the guy. And you want to see that instant production. And it took a little bit of time for him to get his feet. But I think now he has a lot to offer to the NFL. He's probably going to have a pretty long career. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I mean, Tyus is a great example of that. I mean, I think, you know, a couple other guys on here, Zedarius Smith, you know, there's sometimes what will happen too is like a rookie will kind of have a flash. They'll flash as a rookie, right? Like Zedarius, I want to say, and Pernell McPhee, both on this list, I want to say they each had like six or four to six sacks as their rookie seasons in, in like a situational pass rusher kind of role. Right. And then it was kind of like, all right, well let's put more on their plate and see if they can kind of become that all around outside linebacker. And then it took more time, right. When they weren't just, okay, you're a rookie. We're going to simplify your role, pin your ears back and get the quarterback. Right. And, uh, and then it took, a couple years and then we see Zadarius Smith with the huge, huge contract year and gets paid. Um, and you know, I mean, Matt Judon to a degree falls in the same category, had a kind of a nice production as a rookie, and then you know, it was okay. And then this for last year had his best season. So yeah, I, I think those are all really great examples in, in recent Ravens history. All right. Well, let's just jump in right now to the guys we want to look at. A great way to start off this, we talked about Bowser and McPhee and Smith. Um, we can bring up Jalen Ferguson, uh, a guy that I think a lot of the fan base is starting to sour on. Uh, didn't play as many games or snaps last year. Has always been decent against the run. We're still waiting to see consistent pass rush from him yeah. at, to any degree. And, you know, I don't know if I really have a lot of faith that Ferguson is going to live up to the draft capital that the Ravens had for him. But I think, you know, he's still shown enough flash that as he comes into this year four where we've seen uh, guys break out for the Ravens at the outside linebacker position, I still think, you know, we can have some expectation that he could fill in a niche on this team, especially with, you know, um, for now... Justin Houston is gone. It sounds like there's a chance he'll come back. Uh, Bowser is not very likely not going to be 100% to start the season. There's an opportunity here for Jalen Ferguson if he wants to uh, go after it. Yeah, he definitely has a path to snaps for sure, especially early in the season before Ojabo is healthy. 
you know, and, and I do expect that the Ravens will probably add a veteran at some point this off season. Um, you know, Houston would make a lot of sense. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for sure, the Jalen Ferguson has, has a chance. He needs to prove this, this off season though. I mean, he needs to have a, a really good OTAs, mini camp, training camp, or he's going to find himself on the outside looking in or, or even trade opportunity. You know, the Ravens could be looking to recoup something for him if they were to make another addition and feel comfortable with their depth at the spot. But like you said, right now, they're just thin on numbers. Yeah. You know, so uh, I will I will say that Fergie uh, has dropped some weight. I mean, so he practiced uh, today during the Ravens second OTAs on Wednesday, and uh, he has probably dropped just by the eye test 10 to 15 pounds. Oh, wow. Fairly substantial. I mean, looks like a different guy. Um, And Mike McDonald said he didn't really know what the impetus was for that, what was behind it. So it didn't sound, doesn't sound like the coaches were like telling him he should drop weight. He just did it. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) I don't know if that's because Jalen was, is seeing kind of the writing on the wall and says, if I don't get more stuffing outside linebackers aren't necessarily the highest paid guys. So he probably feels justifiably so that he needs to diversify his game and become more than just a a stout edge setter. You know, like Jarrett Johnson even got some sacks. (laughs) You know, I mean, he was an edge setter and a scrappy one who hung around for a long time, but you got to have some sack production. And for, for Jalen right now, four and a half sacks in three seasons is not a lot. So to be honest, the outside linebacker position, if I'm looking at like guys who I think could kind of stand out, like breakout guys, like we're talking about here, I, I think Dalen Hayes to me is intriguing. I'm just going on record. I'm a fan. I, I think the dude's got some explosiveness off the edge. He has really good bend. I don't know that he has a full repertoire of moves yet, but his dip and kind of Look, guys, I didn't play football, so I don't know. But <laughs> not, none of us on here did. <laughs> okay, we're, we're all nerds. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. But like his like dip and then like kind of club up is I don't know if it's dip rip, whatever the hell it's called. Is a he's got it down. That move yeah. he has down. And he just has good bend coming around the edge. So like for me, you know, a fifth round pick out of Notre Dame, who you know he's got the athleticism, you know, he's got a good background. Uh, Notre Dame only recruits like the blue chippers, right? Like, so this guy has a pedigree and it seems like the light bulb is turning on. Now, last year, you know, injuries really knocked him out for almost the entire season. He's got to stay healthy, but he looks like he looks quick again in OCAs, just like I saw as a rookie. He made a nice play today, kind of sniffing out a wide receiver screen and he got in the throat passing lane oh, yeah. and, and broke it up. Um, just a smart player, a uh, good dude. And I think he's got some, some athleticism. So I, I'm intrigued to see what he does this year, honestly. Yeah. I heard about that from OTAs today and um, he's honestly one of the main reasons we're doing this show, at least in my <laughs> opinion, he's one of my darlings. Yeah. I talked about him on Ken's show. I don't think it's released yet, but it will come out. And I mean, you remember in the preseason, people were saying that this guy, because he was a five year player at Notre Dame and he's been playing football for a while, that he almost had a higher floor than Odafe just coming mm. in just because of the, his football IQ and maybe he could be put in right away. Obviously, Odafe is a much uh, better athlete and has a much higher ceiling uh, right. than Hayes. But 
I think everything we've seen of him, obviously very limited. Um, and then preseason, our defense is a better, much better unit than anyone else uh, really puts out there. We just have remarkable depth. Undefeated. Everything, undefeated. Exactly. Undefeated. <laughs> uh, we, I'm really like eager to see what he can do. We need more than four snaps this year. And I think he has a great potential, if he keeps up what he's doing, of getting some serious Sam snaps, particularly while Tyus is getting healthy. Yeah. Um, I think they need someone who can spell OA and obviously uh, Ojabo because he's not he's not going to be there or uh, it'd be a miracle, right, to be that uh, available that early. So like he has all the opportunity in the world to step in and I'm I think he's a great player. So I just I want him to be healthy and 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 show what he can do. Yeah, I completely agree. I think last year I remember in practices in training camp uh Wink getting on him about um some of his his dropping and pass coverage kind of stuff and but that's tough as a rookie. I mean, even Tyus, who's turned into one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL, like that knowing what's behind you, what's happening behind you, you know, that eyes in the back of your head, like and the route concepts and all that is it's tough for a rookie. And uh, so I was I was happy to see him make that play in, in pass coverage today. I think he has the athleticism to do it. Like he honestly reminds me a lot of Tyus. I think the similar tools. I mean, he can he can move. He can go drop back in coverage once he kind of figures things out a little bit better. He'll he'll be even more successful in that. And quick twitch, kind of a twitchy guy. So um, uh, yeah, I'm excited about his potential. Yeah, I'm I'm also fully on board the Dalen Hayes train. I I agree with what you're saying though. Bringing up Bowser, um, you know, I rewatched some of his college tape actually uh, yesterday in preparation for this, and you you do see some things that are very similar to what Tyus does, and yeah. um. Just rewatching some of his snaps against Detroit um, before this as well, you can see you can see some of it. You can see hints of what he was able to do at Notre Dame in that game, um, mm-hmm. and that's all we've seen of him so far at the pro level. And yeah, he could come out and he could surprise a lot of people who have forgotten about him or who are unaware of him. You know, if they're f- fans outside the Ravens, he could make some noise in the AFC North this year. Yeah. I think if he ended up being like a five sack guy, that would be a successful second season for. Oh, Dan. definitely. It's yeah. not like you know n- nobody's expecting ten sacks or something, but like a five sack guy would be valuable. I mean, gosh, who led the Ravens? Bowser led us with one sacks last year, so I'll take five from Dalen Hayes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think just moving on to some other uh, breakout guys in that linebacker mix. I mean, obviously Patrick Queen. I think it's hard to say that like. You know, he people know Patrick Queen, first round pick, you know, and, and had a big rookie year, uh, was in the rookie defensive rookie of the year conversation. But I, I do think that year three, he is he is looking to become that kind of that dude, you know, a star player, uh, leader on this defense. And and I do think that a lot of it for him was I think a combination of of Mental processing, you know, he was a little bit, he was a late starter at LSU, just didn't have a ton of reps under his belt. And I think like recognizing things quickly and, and being confident in what he's seeing, you know, was, was kind of the challenge for him uh, coming in. And, you know, the athleticism is off the charts, but I think once he kind of figures it out and understands what offenses are trying to do more reading his cues and trusting his cues. Once he's moving around with confidence 
like we saw the second half of last season after Bynes came in, you know, that's a different player. And I think that now even going into year three, he's, he's even more, you know, self-assured. Uh, and, and, you know, he's a, he's a guy who cares a lot about his play and he's very self-critical. And I think that when he has mistakes, it can, it bothers him a lot. Um, and I think that year three, he's just a little more settled in. He just feels like more of a vet. And I think that that will really serve him well. That's good to hear. I think all of us here are rooting for Patrick queen. We've all had various levels of, uh, um, hype around him. I personally, I've never been thrilled about the pick, but it's not nothing against Queen. It's just about like how the pick was used. And I mm-hmm. think what we've seen out of him, you see the flashes of like, well, that's that's a first round linebacker right there, you know? And right. if he's able to have that consistency and and demand the playing time, uh, particularly, I guess, in the coverage snaps, you could see how he could be a huge asset to the team. Right. And it's, uh, he kind of reminds me of, uh, like one of those win percentage graphs that kind of goes up, down and sideways, like really herky jerky. <laughs> That's kind of how his play can be sometimes, yeah. you know? And, but like, if it's slowly trending towards like high wind chance, like that's what we want. Right. So, right, right. and I think that's, that's really the hope for year three, get a little bit of smoothness in that graph and, and it be going in the right direction. I think he has a lot around him that could benefit this, uh, this breakout too. Obviously the new defensive scheme, I think the addition of um, Kyle Hamilton and what he'll be able to offer in the box will be huge. Um, it might actually reduce some of his responsibilities and, and still kind of allow him to uh, kind of do what he does best, which is just attack the ball. I, I right. think there's a lot to be hopeful for with Queen, but this is definitely like the make or break year, particularly just given the the way the contracts are in the NFL. They need to decide on that option after this yep. year. So yep. like this is the year for him to really show up. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I think he's always going to be kind of your uh, splashy, like playmaking kind of linebacker, right? Like a guy you expect to get a couple picks, you get a few sacks, like tackles for loss, you know, force fumbles, that kind of guy, as opposed to now, I mean, gosh, I'm, uh, I'm about to say Ray Lewis, but like, you can't, you, it's, it's so unfair yeah. to him. It really is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not fair at all. I mean, what I mean is Let's like, say he's, Ray, he's not going to be like a Daryl Smith, you know? <laughs> sure. Right. Like, like a guy that you just know is going to make every play and like consistent and just gobble up 130 tackles. And you're just like, you know, he's always in the right position. Like maybe that's never Patrick queen and you have to give a little to get a little. And, and what you get are like those splash plays, like the spikes in that, that graph that you're talking about, Alec, yeah. you know? and, 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 but to your point, and I completely agree, what you don't want are, are like the, <laughs> the huge dips, right. <laughs> where like, he just has these rough games where he's getting abused, you know? And so, yeah, if he can smooth some of that out and still have some of those spikes, I think, that is is successful for him. Well, let's jump over to wide receiver. Um, I actually a couple guys I want to talk about here. The first one, and this might be controversial, but I actually I, I kind of want to talk about Tylen Wallace first. Yes, I, I, I think I think <laughs> out of the three guys, there, there's been some buzz here. I mean, Ryan, you might be able to uh, you know say about this. I can't remember if I've read your articles on this, but uh, Tylen to me, man, I, I think it, it seems almost like his job to lose for wide receiver two at this point. I know. Really? Duvernay, 
Wow, I feel, this is hot I feel, take. I mean, I, mean, I mean, you're you're in the OTAs, Ryan, so you gotta like you know okay, you, you okay. know right. But but this is this is this is my feeling on it anyway, right? Um, Duvernay, I like Prochet, I like uh, Wallace. For me, I think I've you know been hearing a lot about him. Like you know, he he fell the the fourth round, but he could have been a higher draft grade. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he showed uh, as far as like the three guys, I, I was probably more impressed with Wallace in his rookie season. Uh, in terms of production, obviously not. It wasn't a whole lot, uh, but there were the few plays. I remember that third down play that he made that was like a third and 20 uh, mm-hmm. where he was able to pick up those extra yards and, and make that third down. Super impressed with his balance and just ability to get open and get the yards. But I'm I'm really, I mean, I'm excited for all these guys. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I think if I had to pick one to maybe step up in the wide, uh, wide receiver two, like I'm putting my name for Wallace. I think he would uh, match up well and uh, kind of be a good compliment to Bateman. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, I would say that right now I would say he's wide receiver four, but I don't think that it's like in any way, shape or form, like a done deal or that like that there's like some massive gap between those guys. I just, I think that probably Devin and James are just a little bit further along in their careers in terms of like they've just had more reps they've they've uh built a little better stronger base than tylen i would also say that devin probably has better tools than tylen does and that he's faster than tylen by a fairly significant margin i would say and he's just he, the contact balance like I would say that Devin DuVernay is probably right now wide receiver too. And I would, I don't think that James Prochet is far off from that. Um, but I mean, you know, DuVernay's definitely had the, the most reps and done the most of the three thus far in their career. And really, I mean, I find myself every time I'm watching the game saying, give DuVernay the ball. I only see good things happen when Dever, Devin DuVernay gets the ball, whether it be like on a, you know, wide receiver, like end around or the jet sweeps or, you know, kind of, I mean, we don't do a whole lot of screens, but some of the, some of the bubble screens that we try, like get the ball in Devin DuVernay's, um, you know, you see as, as a returner, how dynamic he can be, not just in contact balance and all that stuff, but, you know, speed, just flat out speed. So I would say DuVernay probably has the edge there. James Prochet is a guy that, so we had him on the lounge podcast today. Oh, nice. He'll be dropping Thursday morning. Um, and, you know, just talking to him, man, I'll tell you, he gets you pumped. Like, this <laughs> is a very competitive, hardworking, um, like, confident, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to show the, I'm going to show you all that, like, we don't need to add another wide receiver. You know, I mean, just like a dude who, I don't know. You, it's a great day I to just, be great. That's what he said today, right? Yeah. Like he's, he's been like year three. I, I know that that's, I have to do it. You know, like if I don't, if I don't have a good year this year, I'm probably not going to have a very long career, you know? And so like, um, and the dude works at it. And so, you know, I think he can be a, a solid, a very solid, like two, three, you know what I mean? And I, I, and I don't mean to dog on your guy, Chris Tylen Wallace, 
Like, I don't, I, I think he does have potential and I, I agree. He could have been a second round pick. Um, and I, I like him. Like, I think he's, he's kind of shifty, uh, in the slot. Um, you know, he's not a bigger guy like James and Duvernay are kind of like bigger than him. Just seeming I I'd have to like look up their heights, but that's what's so crazy about Thailand. So my biggest thing about Thailand is if you didn't know how tall he was, you'd probably think he was six one. Then you look it up and he's 5'11". And that kind of talks about his like way he plays the game. And there's no other wide receiver better to talk about at the 5'11 height that I always thought was taller than uh, Odell Beckham Jr. So like (laughs) it gives me a little bit of that vibe uh, just from the the height comparison alone. Single. Yeah. That that being the only piece. But I'm glad that Chris brought him up because I'm actually really high on him too. And as everybody knows that listens to the show... Uh, James Prochet, like I forget what it was the joke was with Coach. Like I, everybody's trying to jockey for like the uh, you know head uh, James Prochet fan club lead or whatever. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the uh, I, I love Prochet. I think he's I think he's going to be a great player in this league. And if it if it isn't with the Ravens, I think somebody will ha- have seen it as well, and and he'll, he'll he'll do things. But I I pray that it is with the Ravens. I hope they figure out a way to really have him contribute in the slot or. I, I think he can run every, every route personally, and he just he he can show it. So I'm I'm really excited to hear that interview and excited to see what he does. Tyler Wallace, I think the big thing with him, and I don't know if you can comment on this, Ryan or not. Like his big like knock almost coming out of college is that he was always on the right side, mm-hmm. always. Is is have you seen him been moved around a little, or how he how he's been used? Yeah, the Ravens have definitely broken him of that. Uh, I mean, last year, I want to say he lined up in various positions. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he even did some work in the slot. Like to me, when I saw him in training camp last year, I thought this guy could be a good, uh, a good slot receiver. He's like very quick in and out of his movements. You know, like there's, there's fast and there's quick and Tylen's quick. Um, and, and I think he's a tough guy, good hands. I, I think he, he makes a lot of sense in that kind of role. But honestly, I don't think in the Ravens offense, it's going to matter that much. Like all of these guys, you know, they don't have like your big bodied X, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. um, all these guys are going to just kind of be interchangeable, I think, in where they line up. Yeah, that's actually kind of also indicative of how the Ravens don't run, and at least traditionally and with how they've done their roster moves this year a ton of 11 personnel, uh, at least relative to the league. Uh, so you don't have to really think about these guys as, all right, X, Y, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Z slot, you know, like it, it, we're not, we're, we move everyone around. And also we have, of course, number one, uh, wide receiver two, no one talks about uh, in, of course, Mark Andrews. So, right. you know, he, he lines up as wide receiver as much as he does yeah. tight end. <laughs> so Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. know. Oh, yeah, Mark Mark Andrews is wide receiver one in this offense as, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> totally. uh, we'll see we'll see what Bateman does though. I mean, as good as Mark Andrews is, Bateman has a, a huge amount of potential. I mean, I'm really excited to see what Bateman does. Um but I think we're bringing up a lot of interesting points with all three of these receivers. Um the way I kind of see it shaping out I, I do agree with you, Ryan. I mean, obviously, Prochet and Duvernay have been in the league uh, a year longer than Wallace. I think they'll be ready to hit the ground running week one. I think Wallace is going to have a good season, but it might take him maybe towards the middle to, to the end of the year to get into that groove. Mm-hmm. And what I was thinking about recently is I could see this offense, because you do see a lot of offenses in the NFL run this way, where you have one to two main playmakers, 
the Chiefs are an obvious example, but you look at the Packers as well. Um, you know, the Chiefs, before Tyreek Hill left, you've, they funneled so many targets to Kelsey and, and Hill. And then, depending on the matchup, Hardman would eat or Pringle or, or Robinson. And I could definitely see, you know, the third wide receiver in this offense really being a three-headed monster of those guys and just depending on um, what the matchup implies. And we even saw that a little bit last year. James Prochet had two big receiving days against Denver and Cincinnati and then was pretty quiet the rest of the season. Um, it just so happened that that week was a good week to, to utilize him. And uh, Duvernay had a couple weeks where he was a bit of a, a red zone threat. Um, Marquise Brown was an underrated red zone threat. We'll see if, if he fills that void left by Brown. And I do think you bring up a good point with, with Duvernay and, and getting him involved in screens and as that being something that the Ravens should really try and exploit. And I do w- wonder if they will try and do that a little more with Marquise gone because um, we did see them do that in certain games last year. Um, Minnesota, they threw several screens to Brown. That was, you know, really not the Ravens way under Greg Roman, but they pulled it out that week. That was the Miami special. That was the, the heavy blitz. Let's try this wide receiver screen thing. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's got blown up as well. Right. I mean, Marcus Brown was not a good option for the wide receiver screen. I mean, no, he wasn't. (laughs) He really wasn't. That's why he left. (laughs) Well, he just like, is not a guy that made anybody miss in the open field. Uh, mm-hmm. he didn't, couldn't get through contact really. I mean, he developed a stiff arm, basically a stiff arm to get out of bounds that pick up an extra five yard, three to five yards. Like he developed that last year. Yeah. But like he, he's, he's not really a guy that would juke anybody. I mean, he had to run away from people and like, that's not really what a, a wide receiver screen like calls for. You got to make somebody miss. So, or get through contact quickly. Yeah. And that wasn't him. Mm-hmm. which I don't know if Duvernay is the shiftiest guy, but he does have size and he is a physical player. So in that regard, I think he could definitely um, be really useful in screens or, you know, throws out of the backfield. Um, yeah. I think he's better, much, I think Duvernay is much better suited than Marquise Brown was for that kind of job. 100%. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully the Ravens see it that way too. <laughs> I, think, I think they do. I think they're going to throw more to their running backs this year too. I think yeah. that was something that um, they wanted to do a lot of last year. And Dobbins was, they were really gearing Dobbins up to have more of a receiver role lined up wide and out of the backfield. Mm. And so that was like another kind of thing that a lot of people didn't know about that as part of Dobbins's injury, like it took that, chunk of the offense that they had spent a lot of time working on and like that was kind of the next iteration of the greg roman offense was like they were just going to throw to him a lot last year and who didn't do that at all you know so like that part of the offense just was lost it just got scrapped and so this year i mean when you look at the guys who they've brought in tyler Beatty has you know was a good receiver in college Dave, Mike Davis has proven himself as a receiver over his ball and his quick. So like, I think that they want to have that component of the offense, whether JK and Gus are back at hundred percent at the start of the season or not. Yeah. I was super sad that that injury happened. Cause I did a whole study on like using the running backs more out of the backfield. I watched like every single snap back when you used to be able to do this on game pass. 
RIP good game pass. Like I watched all the snaps of um of Camara, uh CMC and Eckler from the year prior and I wanted to see like how they use them because these are like the traditional pass catching running backs because I did right. think that Dobbins had it in him and I knew that there was chatter of using him that way and actually I meant to add it to the doc I thought about it at work but then I did not do it because I was trying to be productive and you know so <laughs> I was like oh I should have Dobbins to the list because like he never had to have his breakout obviously we all thought you know he had such a good rookie year that we kind of felt like okay he's he's there but I thought he could take it to another level with the receiving chops and, and really break out so I think it's really cool that you mentioned him kind of a one a one of one in a position group uh jk dobbins yep yeah totally totally yeah i i mean i i think that justice hills is somebody too you know i i don't know it's still i think he's got to make the team he's not a lock by any means but you know he looks pretty quick i mean i'm not even saying that he's absolutely going to make the 53 man roster but because he has to beat out mike davis but i do think that he's somebody that shouldn't be forgotten because he looks back he looks quick and he is that receiving type of guy yeah mike davis is interesting too in theory they could cut him right they could cut him and bring him back on a handshake deal so if they really wanted to bring four white or four running backs mm-hmm. on to the roster and then sneak one of them onto the practice squad and then bring back um mike there's definitely a way they could do that uh just so that they can put like uh you know either gus or jk on the uh Pup. on like the the yeah the short-term ir and yeah, stuff. the pup list yeah so there's definitely some maneuvering some shenanigans that could occur which i think we talked about last week i don't know why the nfl has these shenanigans because every team just plays them like just let them do what they want to do <laughs> but <laughs> nevertheless i'm sure there's some good reason for it yeah yeah so the offensive line i think you know when we're talking about uh breakout guys i, I see you guys i think had a, a couple good names on here with tyree phillips and ben cleveland um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really, you know, Ben wasn't on the field today. Um, and, and you know, problem for both of those guys so far in their young careers. Um, I, I will say this, that people forget that Tyree Phillips won the left guard competition coming out of camp last year, your week one starter in Vegas at left guard was Tyree Phillips. Now he went down with a knee injury. And like the first Havens like Tyree Phillips, they like him at left guard. He has unfortunately so far in his career been bounced around entirely too much and had to, you know, shift over to right tackle to cover for guys with injuries. And I'm just intrigued. He looks like he's in better shape. Like he's one of these guys that like you come in as a rookie and there's just there's size that isn't necessarily good size. (laughs) <laughs> I could definitely say that about myself. There's a lot of it. <laughs> um, um, and like Tyree has kind of like worked that out, you know, and like, he looks like he's in really good shape and I like him as a left guard. I think he's a big, powerful guy. Um, and, and I think that he could end up being the week one left guard starter. For sure. I think you hit on, you hit that right on Ryan. Um, yeah, it's just, Tyree's only issue is is just from having to bounce around so many positions. Right. Um, if we can finally lock him down to to left guard, yeah, I think he would be absolutely a breakout candidate. Um, Cleveland, I, I do like. Um, I know he had some good games last year at a few a uh, few nice uh, sets that he had. Um, I will say, you know, I, I think from at least from my perspective, I, I think maybe he needs maybe a little bit more seasoning, I guess, before he can kind of take that spot. 
But uh, but yeah, if, if I had to put my money on it right now, Tyree, he'd be the guy I'd pick for sure. Especially now that the Ravens addressed the tackle uh, position right. with putting some draft capital in there. And um, I think uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, tackles situations figured out and Tyree can stick at left guard. Yeah, I mean, he's not a tackle. And so now, right, you have McCarry who can step in there. So you have depth at tackle. I mean, Juwan James, who knows what's going to happen with him. Um, he hasn't practice yet and he hasn't played in a long time um but yeah you have the tackle depth now where you shouldn't need to to toss Tyree out there in a position that he really should not be playing much Tyree was one of the other players I talked to Ken about and uh forgive me for repeating myself but I think it's absolutely fascinating the draft lore behind Tyree Phillips and Ben Cleveland both guys seem to be coach like Harbaugh's favorite guy of the draft super thrilled to get them and they play the same position, right? So um, and they obviously brought in Zeitler. So he's like very commanding of the right guard spot. And I obviously we hope that he has good health all year and, and keeps that spot and, and continues to play at a really high level. The thing that's funny though, is you have these two players that clearly Harbs is like interested in getting playing time. Um, and then you have just, I mean, Tyree Phillips has like just incredible length, incredible size, like all the traits you would want to see out of uh, a player like this. And it's really good to hear Ryan that he's he's kind of trimmed down and like he, he's looking like he's really like, kind of like um, I don't know, putting like an, almost like sharpening the arrow of his um, his body and what and his physical tools because mm-hmm. I think if he had a little bit better punch off the ball, uh, like off the snap and 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 really kind of like it was a little more engaging, a little bit more nasty almost. Um, he could be a really solid left guard, and I think he could run away with the position. And, you know, Ben Cleveland will just have to figure out what to do uh, and, and how to respond, and then they'll kind of feed off each other. But these players are really interesting to me just, just because of how the Ravens pick them, the apparent, uh, like, thrill of getting them into the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, and I also remember that, that Tyree was, like, sort of a surprise pick at uh, the end of the third round there. He... I don't think a lot of people necessarily had him on the, their boards at that point. So he was, uh, like, again, like kind of a coach's favorite, whereas Cleveland was a, a little bit more expected where he was drafted. Um, so I don't know. It's all just very interesting. I, I would love to be a fly on the wall of all these like decisions and who loves who and all that oh, stuff. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, if it, I could weasel my way into the draft room, <laughs> that would be amazing. Because <laughs> it, it's, just, it's just fascinating. Because like, the little drips and drabs you get, yeah. it's it's still like just so Oh, the, the Peter King article we got this year with the fourth round was was just brilliant. That was yeah. that was just an awesome read. It's really interesting because we get more of these insider like the thought behind the picks stuff now from Eric DaCosta. Like we never really got any of that from Ozzy. We have our broadcast crew who gets to go into the draft room, right, and record like the calls to the to the picks. And these guys, like the majority of them, uh, guys and girls, I should say. Uh, like aren't huge draft Knicks, you know, like they're not doing all the, you know, like their video people uh-huh. and like, I and they get to go in there and they like see the big board, you know? And I'm just like, Oh my God. It, I like, I'm like, did you glean anything? And they're like, no, I don't know who any of those people are. No, I, I know. Like, I don't know anything. And I'm like, ah, such a waste. If I could go in there, I would learn so much. <laughs> it's like going into Fort Knox and then just like, I don't know, going to pick up something that's not gold from in there and just like 
Oh, fuck. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Indiana Jones goes into the the um the cave at the end of the movie and just just turns left before getting the ground. <laughs> yeah, just avoids everything. <laughs> That's a way better analogy. Thank you, Peter. I liked yours too. I just thought I just thought mine as well, and I thought it was funny. So, yeah, I can't imagine the NDA they have to sign. Like that is a. Uh... It's almost surprising they let anybody in, you know? And it's funny, too, because obviously it's a whiteboard and all that, but you can always tell when they're, like, I guess it gets watched over before it gets released to make sure, like, there's nothing in it. Like, they, like, super, uh, you know, expose the back, so it's just, like, it's just pure white. (laughs) But you know there's words. (laughs) Well, well, this year in the draft, you know, like, they had the camera in there for the first time, and and people were, I had my opening, and that was actually like a previous draft. That was, I think last year's draft written out still on the whiteboard. And so it looked like our big board or whatever, but like the Ravens big board is actually on a a digital, huge digital screen that now is like easy for them to maneuver and all this stuff. But, um, and they would never in a million years, let a TV (laughs) camera show it, (laughs) Um, but people were freaking out. I think to wrap up, we want to talk about the secondary. Lots of really interesting players there. Uh, Brandon Stevens being probably the number one guy to talk about. Um, very versatile player. We've seen him play all over on the defense. Uh, he did that in college. He's doing that with us. And I think this is the year that they want to really focus him. Uh, they have a lot of the guys in the building now that can kind of fill the roles that he had to be a Swiss Army knife for. And I'm just really curious to see what they decide that focus to be. I'm thinking it's going to be kind of more of an outside corner but i don't know yeah i think that brandon stevens is definitely going to be in a cornerback spot whether that's outside corner inside corner uh i think it it could be anywhere i mean i think it'll be wherever needed based on injuries you know um because i obviously the ravens have i think their top three corners uh with marcus marlin and and now kyle fuller but yeah, I think Brandon Stevens is going to be in kind of a versatile cornerback role. I mean, he's a he's a physical dude. He can press. He can run. Um, yeah, I mean, you need more depth. He could certainly play in the slot because of how physical he is, and he, he'd be good against the rocks kind of um, corner. Uh, you know, and, and that enables Marlon to play more in the slot, which maybe suits him a little bit better uh, at times, get him a little closer to the ball. So Fuller can, you know, played some nickel last year. So they have a lot of versatility there. And I I agree that Brandon Stevens, look, we all know injuries are going to happen at corner, right? I mean, as much as we we can knock on wood as much as we want, but that's going to happen. And so Brandon Stevens is going to get called upon this year and he's just got to be ready. You know, I mean, he got thrown into the fire as a rookie at safety and started what, what, six, 10 games. I mean, a lot of games. Our Darius Washington, he's got to get healthy. Uh, he's coming off an off uh, procedure, and he wasn't on the field Wednesday. But that's another guy who, you know, safety, cornerback versatility. The Ravens' secondary is all about versatility this year. I mean, it's just like they want everybody to play everywhere and confuse the hell out of offensive coordinators because and quarterbacks because they don't know who's supposed to be in the game, where they're supposed to be, any of that stuff. So – Ardarius, I think, you know, as a, as a uh, backup, you know, that he can be a guy. Special teams, obviously, for anybody in the secondary safety corner, special teams is a huge part of your job. That would Ardarius would have to make the 53 primarily uh, as a special teams guy. 
Same goes for Geno Stone. I thought Geno played pretty darn well last year in a backup role um, and, and got some serious reps late in the season when injuries were really magnified. Pick itself better for Geno Stone. Could have been making the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, Geno Stone is another guy I think that is a key, a key dude in this secondary. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and just to kind of add a little bit more on that um... – yeah, for Brandon Stevens, um, I loved I loved this play last year. The the only the only position I feel like that he played that I thought we could have gotten a little bit better, which the Ravens addressed, so no big deal, um, was kind of the deep safety role. I just felt oh, he like sure. didn't have enough speed to kind of be able to make some plays on the ball that I, I wish he would kind of be able to. But other than that, like you said, Ryan, like super physical, could play tight ends really well, just solid tackler, um, really good in that role. I really liked him to to find a, a role on that team to. Kind kind of uh, just lock down people, kind of almost like what Jimmy Smith did the last couple of years of his career here, just kind of be that, you know, uh, you know, weapon X kind of factor of just lock down a guy, uh, be able to do that. And, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about Geno Stone too. Um, again, another player I really liked, um, especially late in the season last year, I really thought that Wink had unlocked something with uh, the safety looks. They put Geno back a deep safety a little bit more and then had guys like Stevens and Tony Jefferson play a little bit more up in the box. And uh, I thought it worked really well. I mean, I remember we were talking after the Rams game about how that defense uh, you know, really did a great job that game, especially against you know Super Bowl champs and the Rams. Um, I think the, the safety looks that we had in that position were, were a big part of it. Um, but obviously, you know, this year going in, we'll have Marcus Williams, Chuck Clark's coming back, and Kyle Hamilton. So, you know, take what you had last year and just, you know, dial that up to 11. You've, you've got the guys now to be able to, to lock down the starting spots, and, and now you can bring guys like Stevens, Stone, and Washington back to kind of fill in and, and as needed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and versatility is going to be paramount for this defense. They want, they want to mix and match these guys all over the place. Mike McDonald talked about that today about how you know when he was at Michigan they had all these outside linebackers and pass rushers galore and he was like all right well let's figure out a way to use them all and then you saw Aiden Hutchinson and and Ojabo have these huge seasons he's looking at the safeties in the same light like I've got a lot of safeties I can play all right well how can we tailor the defense to use all these guys in different roles and various ways to confuse offenses so it's going to be interesting to watch it all play out Definitely. And again, you, you, as you said, there's huge depth at safety right now. Um, Humphrey and Peters are coming back from injury. They brought in Fuller. The Ravens have so much veteran leadership in that secondary that it's really going to make the job easier for these guys um, because they're hopefully not going to have to be thrown into as big a roles as they were last year, um, assuming you know there's not another huge swath of injuries if if almost all the that veteran group comes in, you know, that's really going to give McDonald uh, freedom to, you know, put these guys in in certain situations, you know, try some things out um, while you have guys who've been around the NFL and can cover if something goes wrong. I think that these guys are have landed in a great spot for the Ravens to, or for an organization to figure out what are the strengths of these guys, you know, what can we get these guys to do at the NFL level in a spot where you've got the veterans already in place uh, so that you don't have to put too much on their plate and, you know, they're not overthinking or trying to overcompensate. They can just 
focus on what the coaches are telling them and what their roles are at the time. So yeah, it's, it's going to be extremely interesting. Uh, I can't wait to see, uh, especially when you get into those division games against uh, Cincinnati and, and uh, Pittsburgh, what the secondary is going to, going to look like. It's a lot of intriguing pieces there. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining the show, Ryan, and giving us those OTA uh, insights. Really appreciate it because we see a little clips here and there, a couple, you know, Snapchat clips or whatever, but it's nothing like seeing it in person and uh, getting an idea, a sense of where the Ravens might see some of these guys and what to expect. Um, Football's kind of coming back, although it felt like it never really left with how like the cadence of the year is pretty good. So there's always a little drips. Um, but it's, it's definitely a, a cool time of year to speculate and think about, uh, what could be. So yeah, for, for sure. Us. Yeah. Like sometimes it's more fun to talk about what could happen than what actually happened or is happening. So yes, this is a very, <laughs> very fun time of the year. Yeah. I just want to reiterate. Thanks again, Ryan. I mean, this is awesome. I don't know about you guys. I mean, Ryan, I've been reading your work, you know, for however long you've been with the Ravens. Um, Awesome, awesome to have you on here to be able to speak with you. That's great. Uh, I have one question, uh, like that, I wanted to ask and see if uh, so you can give me an answer to. Are, are you planning another meat draft? Something like that. Something crazy. Are we, can we expect that? Is that going to come this season? I don't think we have another meat draft on the books, but we do need another draft. So, any ideas you guys have, I am all ears. I'm down because, as you well know, I have lost many drafts so <laughs> this is one of those situations where you just got to keep drafting you know you just keep taking your shots i think you should do like top places to hang out in baltimore or like oh I or in lose. maryland or something you know like maybe maryland i could win that yeah i don't baltimore, know where i would get obliterated yeah <laughs> garrett's like the mayor of Balt. he's like the unofficial <laughs> mayor. if you ever want to go out and have a beer go have a beer with garrett because free beers everywhere way more than me <laughs> <laughs> he's not well, he's not even from here is he i don't remember he's not but you know i've never really lived in Baltimore than me no that's fair mm. yeah no all right yeah no we'll, we'll uh we'll definitely we'll definitely hold you to that we'll uh we'll, we'll shooting you some ideas nice uh can't can't wait that nice. was great well thank you guys for having me i really appreciate it yeah thanks for coming on it was great well thanks so much ryan for joining us and uh before we close out we did want to bring up uh friend of the show Cole Jackson he's been on a couple times during the draft coverage and he was really excited this week to bring in his baby girl uh Quinn to the world uh Quinn's been having a little bit of a hard time hanging out in the NICU um and we just want to have everybody in the Ravens flock um you know give their thoughts and and prayers to them and and hopefully Quinn uh can power through this and and get home uh and you know spend time with uh, her big sister and all that good stuff so uh Everyone, please do keep uh, Quinn and the Jacksons in in your prayers. And on that note, uh, we will uh, end the show now. And uh, you can find us on Twitter, OneWinningPod, and uh, email us, OneWinningPod at gmail.com. Also, if you're interested in listening to the show a different way, we're on YouTube now. So you can subscribe there, OneWinningPod as well. We'll be back soon to talk more Ravens. We'll catch you later.